Welcome to Once Upon a Time in Nibor. Hello and welcome everybody to the third episode of Once Upon a Time in Nibor by the two film dudes. I'm Gustavs and I'm Ali. And every two weeks, me and Gustav, we pick a movie to dissect, analyze, and just tear apart completely. And then, you know, we just sort of talk about these movies for about an hour or so. And at the end of the podcast, we usually rate the movies from a scale of 1 to 35 in honor of the 35 uh, millimeter film stock. We named our podcast, you know, in honor of Quentin Tarantino's latest movie, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And, you know, both of us are big cinema geeks, so we're really happy to be here talking about our favorite movies and we're glad we have you here listening to us and for this episode of once upon a time in newball we're going to be talking about the 2008 classic di- di- directed by christopher nolan about the guy who can't put up makeup properly and the guy with too much money and time on his hands we're going to be talking about the dark knight of course it's one of the most legendary comic book movies of all time and it has all all sort of emerged as not even considered as a comic book movie anymore but rather as a thriller and a drama and I think it's Nolan's finest work and let's just jump right into it Ali so what were your first impressions of uh, watching the movie for the first time and now well I like any other person he saw this movie as a kid you know like six, 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 five-year-old, I saw this movie, and I was in love with it, you know, because it's, it's Batman versus the Joker, a tale as old as time, you know? But, you know, this movie really, like, grounded it in realism, you know? Like, if Batman and Joker were in real life, what would happen? And I think Nolan executed this perfectly. And, you know, when I saw it versus then to, to now, you notice, you notice so many different things happen. You notice, like, you start to listen to the Joker more as he goes on rants, you know, and you listen to like what he's saying and you like start to think about it and it starts to make sense. And I just I just think it's a perfect movie overall. I cannot find a single flaw with this movie. You know, the thing is that I also I wanted to start off by saying I for the last few years uh, watching this movie, I think three, three or four times or so. I consider this movie, uh, if you don't, if you don't account for The Godfather, I consider this movie to be a, almost a perfect movie. And the thing is that it's just, I, I, it's obviously not a perfect movie because a thing like that doesn't exist. But in my opinion, it's the least flawed movie there is. And I consider it, I actually consider it just an overall really, really great movie. And I mean it when I say that because... I'm ready to put it in the top three of all time. That's obviously that's not like my favorite movie wow. top three of all time, but I'm ready to put it in my in my opinion the best movies of all time because that's what I'm saying. It's not a perfect movie, but it is so it has like almost zero flaws, and that's just the thing about Christopher Nolan. I think he doesn't miss. He is such an ambitious. I mean, you can't put it into words. He's such an ambitious director overall, and he is an absolute legend and a genius. But the thing is with Christopher Nolan, which is really interesting, that he doesn't miss. He It seems like he doesn't make mistakes. Like, obviously, none of his movies are perfect. And I mean, of course, there are mistakes. But on, on, like, on the top level, it feels like Christopher Nolan it, it takes such pride in his work and puts in so much effort that he actually 
kind of doesn't make mistakes, you know? Yeah. And, you know, I think it really shows because he, you know, when directors, I feel like when directors write their own movies, there's a lot more, you know, it's much better. You know, you find less flaws in the writing, in the direction. That That's how I feel. Like, he co-wrote this with his brother, Jonathan Nolan. And, you know, uh, I, I'm not sure which one of them is the comic geek, but I can definitely see how, you know, there's a lot of love for the character in this of movie. Of course, Christopher Nolan, like, he's gone on record saying that, you know, it's, it's so great to take this character of Batman, this legendary comic book character, take all of the all of his fans that you know that you're going to have this audience. But then again, it's this huge responsibility because you just cannot disappoint these fans. And of course, he didn't disappoint us comic book fans at all. It is a legendary movie. And I'm going to say this on the on this episode like a bunch more times because I not, cannot stress this enough. And obviously, I'm biased. Talking about movies, you're always biased. But I, I really, really think this movie is a masterpiece. It is. It is. And I have to say, you know, coming from George Clooney's Batman and Robin to Batman Begins and then The Dark Knight, huge step in the correct direction. And, you know, Batman fans got what we wanted, you know. No more Bat credit card and, you know, and that. And George Clooney's really... Quite, quite a nice butt, but no more George Clooney's butt in spandex anymore, you know? I'm, I'm, gl- I'm really glad for that. <laughs> yeah. George Clooney has other, other places uh, in the cinema world better than, better than being Batman. But the thing with this movie is that, you know, I've, I've actually told some people that uh, my, my thoughts about The Dark Knight being, in my opinion, one of the all-time great movies... And the first response I like 99% of the time I get is how can you put a superhero movie that high? And my response always is no, because I get the criticism because superhero movies, I mean, they're not the best, but I don't consider this to be a superhero movie. Absolutely not. The thing with me and superhero movies is I go, the only movies I can watch without being critical of them that I know I'm going to always love are the Marvel and DC, maybe not as much, but the Marvel movies. I always go to those movies because I know I'm going to love them because I love the characters and I don't criticize them as pieces of art. I just find them fun movies with lovable characters. But the thing is, The Dark Knight, I didn't, I can't approach it that way. And I I approach it as like, uh, I'm going to criticize the movie, but there's so little to criticize because it's so great. It's a drama. It's a thriller. Like, Batman is, in this movie, he's such a weak superhero. His weaknesses are exposed all the time, and that's what creates such a great antagonist to Batman, that he exposes his weaknesses. And and you see the Joker is so strong in this movie. I mean, it's up for... I mean, it's, 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 um, it's worth to argue about whether Joker wins or not. I would say that he wins in the end, sort of. Uh, but... But I mean, but overall, I, f- I think it's Batman isn't a superhero in this movie. He gets exposed all the time as, uh, you know, as he, he he's really not a superhero. He's rather like this Dark Knight, which I love the title that it's not Batman, but the Dark Knight. It fits it fits the movie that uh, it fits the movie in the way that it's not a superhero movie, but rather a drama because Batman you can't take seriously. The Dark Knight, that sounds epic. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. Batman is just you know, 
in all essence, he's just a guy dressed up as a bat with parent issues. But you know, I, you got the right you got the right take when it comes to bat, uh, Dark Knight not being a superhero movie. Nolan has said that you know he doesn't consider this a superhero movie. He considers this a crime, you know, a crime th thriller. But you know, it just happens to be in the world of superheroes and villains. And you know this movie, yeah, as you said, Bat the reason Batman is so loved by many is because you know he's one of us. He's just a normal human with a, a yeah, just rich. You know, I mean, yeah, he's been teased about it several times. Like in the Justice League, he's like, "What's your superpower? I'm rich." I mean, that's that's all he is. He's just a rich person. But it's you know, it's these flaws in Batman. You know, like. He can't, you know, he can't seem to move on from Rachel. He can't beat the Joker, you know. He, he goes above the law, you know. The city doesn't love him. These flaws are what make us, you know, connect to Batman, make us feel for him, make us look at him critically, you know. Not as, like, a god, but as just, you know, another human. And I think that's one of the best reasons why Joker is the best villain for that. Because, you know, the Joker is not... I'm, the Joker's not a person, per se. He's an ideology, a thought process, you know? It's, you know, complete anarchy of the system, you know? Total breakdown of law and order, you know? No, no, I agree with you, totally. Like, Joker is Joker is an ideolo ideology of, you know, chaos, while Batman is sort of, you know, hope and uh, uh, just being of justice and peace. And, uh, yeah, all, only the good, but... Joker stands for chaos, and I just I just can't get over the fact how how perfect the villain of Joker is in this movie. I think I think it's on another realm, and I'm so sad that we lost Heath Ledger. This amazing, this amazing actor. I mean, he proved. I mean, The Knight's Tale was already a great movie. I loved that movie when I was younger, and now as a Joker. I mean, it's been 12 years already, but it was it's a performance like any other. I mean, not like any other. It's it's such a great performance and all of these stories from the set, how he was method acting, putting on his own makeup and just being crazy all the time. People being scared of him, not getting out of his clothes, all of these things. I have so much respect for Heath Ledger and I'm so, so, so deeply sad that we lost such a great actor like him that was ready to go to great lengths just to deliver his best performance. And I mean, being rewarded with the Oscar he truly deserved. He did. He did deserve that Oscar 10 times over. His performance was spectacular. I, I mean, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a bit of a comic book fan, and I prefer my Joker more criminal mastermind than insane. Because, you know... I prefer, I prefer, you know, having someone who, you know, who we can like, who can pass in the real world, someone who's crazy, but who still thinks on another level. Like, think about this, the Joker, like, you see the Joker, and he's like, he just, you know, when he introduces himself to the mafia people in the in in that scene, he takes a pencil, I'm gonna show you a magic trick, and then just straight up kills a guy with a pencil. I mean, you know, it it gives us such like a like you get the tone of the story right there. I mean, you get it like from the whole thing, but that that one scene, you know, really just kind of shows how much power the Joker has. He is one guy in a purple suit who just killed someone in front of armed mobsters. 
But afterwards, he goes on and creates the biggest destruction of the city in no time. It's truly spectacular. Yeah. The villain. Yeah. Truly. That's the thing. He he uses Batman's weaknesses all the time. He knows them so well. And he gets under Batman's skin all the time. He goes against Batman's one rule, one moral, you know, that he can't kill. And the scene... The scene where the giant trucks the truck flips over and uh, Batman is on his bike and rushing towards Joker and Joker is like, come on, kill me, kill me. And obviously Batman in the last second evades him and doesn't kill him and crashes. And then the next scene is Joker filmed from the bottom to show his like how powerful he is because he, he Batman technically can't do anything against him in that moment of time. Because he can't kill him. And the only way you can stop Joker is by killing him. You can't. Otherwise, he, he wins. Batman can punch him all he wants later in the interrogation scene. But meanwhile, Joker has Harvey Dent and Rachel tied up to these barrels. And uh, Batman is Batman is absolutely powerless there. He's weak. He can punch Joker all he wants, but he's the one that is in the horrible situation and Joker is in control throughout basically 95% of the movie. And, you know, the whole thing about Joker is, like, he's a nihilist. He doesn't believe in anything, you know? And, you know, he, sh you know, he shows this, like, several times. He doesn't care. He, he believe The only thing he believes in is not believing in anything. It's pure chaos, chance, luck of the draw. That's why, you know... It's seen several times throughout the movie. When Harvey's coin is started to scar, it shows how Harvey has gone from a, a like a rigid belief in justice to now fully chance. That's why he starts flipping the coin every time he wants to kill someone. The Joker isn't... Exactly. The Joker infected him. Infected is a strong work. But the Joker pushed his ideology on Harvey, forcing him to, you know, use chaos as a means for justice, you know? Batman uses, you know, his fists and gadgets, you know, for or, to create order. But the Joker simply uses the, uh, humans and, you know, our baseline lawlessness, our baseline anarchy, our craziness. He uses it against us, you know. He threatens to blow up a hospital, you know. And then the cops start turning on each other, you know, trying to kill the, the, the guy who has Batman's identity. The civilians try to murder him inside his, ho inside his uh, apartment building. He turns, he turns everyone completely, and and uh, crazy, not crazy. Uh, he, he removes the system. He removes all law and order, and just simply gives the world chaos. And the only time he actually loses his grip on Gotham is in the end when both of the both of the ships don't blow up each other. That's the first time I think the Joker feels like out of his out of his, you know, out of his place and feels like he has kind of lost because he, he was sure that one of them is going to blow up each other but uh, or the other. But otherwise, Joker, yeah, he believes in chaos and that's what Harvey Dent represents. He, I feel like Harvey Dent represents Joker's victory, how he completely took over Harvey Dent's bright side and turned him in, into Two-Face, who is now a, like a villain going around... Yeah, as you said, leaving everything to chance, just tossing his coin and killing people if they lose the coin, co uh, the coin toss, and it's just it's just so so dramatic and scary to watch, you know, 
both of them going around Joker doing his thing and then Harvey Dent, you know, the 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 white knight, the the light in Gotham, sort of the only hope they have also going around now killing people. This movie experiences a lot of duality, like, you know, you have the white knight with Hardy and then the dark knight, you know, obviously Batman. And you know, Batman doesn't want to be Batman anymore. He wants, you know, he wants he does he wants, you know, he wants to be replaced by someone of actual, you know, who can bring hope to the citizens, not fear. Because Batman is, you know, he 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 keeps the order from by fear. Villains are scared of him at night because he knows, they know that they'll get their arms and legs and their whole bodies mangled if they run against, run against him. <clears throat> but Harvey, he takes a system, a system that everyone has believed in, that has hope in, and he shows Gotham that, you know, he's the bright light, he is the savior, and then Joker takes that light and snuff and snuffs it out. And that's why <clears throat> I believe this movie is amazing. You know, a hero is only as good as his villain, and Batman as well. He suffers so many times throughout this, you know, he he suffers so many times. At the end, when he has to sacrifice his his life, essentially, not life, but his reputation to save Harvey's, to give Gotham a chance. But that's what, but in the end, I mean, he obviously does the right thing because that's what Batman is all about, giving hope to Gotham, this troubled, troubled city, or you can even call it society. You know, it's just, it is, it is all about duality. I agree. And, uh, well, I think, I think that these guys here, Nolan with Heath Ledger, these guys, they have created the Joker. The that will always Heath Ledger will always be my Joker. That's what I. That's why I couldn't fully enjoy the new Joker movie because, the what what threw me off. I think it's an overall pretty good movie. But what threw me off was that they used the Joker character, and well, it's that's again it's a subjective and biased thing. But I just couldn't enjoy the movie because my Joker is the Joker without a backstory, the one who's just insane, like complete complete chaos going around without a reason. I don't want him to be mentally ill or something. I just want him to have zero reasons at all. So I think those I think those two characters should just be split like the new Joker in his own standalone movie. I think that's another character and I'm I'm not sad. I'm just a bit disappointed that they have the same name because they're not the same character and they never will be. Well, that's the thing about the Joker. You never know who he is, what he represents. All you know is that he he's he's the Joker. You can't predict him. You can only hope to try. You can't understand him. You can only hope to try and like foil his plans. That's why he's one of Batman's greatest villains. Batman uses detective work, logic, reasoning to try and understand his enemies. But as Alfred said, some men just want to watch the world burn. And that's what I love about Joker. He literally just wants to watch the world burn. So that's why that's why I was a bit disappointed in the other Joker movie. Plus, nobody will ever replace Heat Ledger for me. I'm sorry. That's it's 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 it is subjective. And but I just love this movie too much. And Heat Ledger will forever be my absolutely insane Joker and one of the legendary villains of all time. You know. Kind of, kind of want to compare him. I think I saw a good comparison somewhere, reading somewhere uh, to Seven, which is also one of my fav most favorite movies of all time. Also such a great movie. Um, to John Doe in Seven. That was his name, right? 
I mean, they're both they're both don't really stand for anything. I mean, John Doe, I mean, yes, he stands for the seven deadly sins, but he's he seems like he's in complete control throughout all of the movie. And those two villains, I, I, I would put them up there as to the two most legendary villains of all time. Taking it's just what they do is they they just actually make you really scared and kind of hopeless, you know. It's like you can't do anything against them because they don't have weaknesses because they don't have reason. They just do whatever the fuck they want. And, you know, both those villains have the same goal in mind. Make the hero lose his morality. Make the hero kill me. Joker, Joker, throughout his all his death traps and men in guns trying to kill Batman, he knows it won't work. He knows the Batman like himself. They are two sides of the same coin, essentially. But, uh, and, you know, Joker wants Batman to kill him. So he'll keep doing this and doing this and doing this. That's why Batman can't kill him. If Batman kills him, it's a slippery slope and the Joker wins, you know? that That's why I feel like, you know, the Joker has... As, we're repeating the same thing over and over again. But the Joker does have so much power in this movie. Yeah, no, you're completely right. He does have power. As I said before, I would say throughout most of the movie except maybe for the end but overall he has he does have power throughout all of the movie and yeah and i feel like in this movie everything just fits together perfectly it's like these guys just got together and made a masterpiece nolan took his to nolan as i would i i call him the most ambitious director of our uh of uh, our generation he took this ambition and he's not afraid to do anything. He just is on his own. He is in his own universe and he does whatever he wants to to achieve his goal of creating uh, the story and the world and with these characters for us, the, the viewers. He Nolan will not stop at any obstacle to create the best possible piece of film he, he can. And then he takes Hans Zimmer to create a legendary soundtrack. He takes Christian Bale, who is, I mean, a great Batman overall. He's he, obviously he's not the best actor of all time, but he's also he takes such pride in his work and will always go to such great lengths to 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 provide us with the best performance possible. And all respect to Christian Bale. He did an amazing job in this movie. I like I like he's I think he's a pretty good Bruce Wayne, sort of cocky, ignorant at times, you know, doesn't really care about a bunch of things other than those few things he really cares about, which is Gotham and Rachel. And he he loses Rachel in the movie. And I love that a lot of people I've watched this movie with are like, oh, she's not actually dead, is she? No, she's dead. She blew up. Joker completely blew her up, okay? And yeah, and then, I mean, obviously, and then Heath Ledger, as I said before, I mean, these guys, they got together and made nearly perfect movie it, it is nearly a perfect movie you can't call something a perfect movie it is actually impossible you can just call something amazing and you can notice how many flaws it does or doesn't have that's how i feel cinema should be rated and yeah nolan you can tell when a director has put like passion into their work you know you can, you know, in the MCU, yeah, they give passion, but all they want to do is just give a nice blockbuster superhero movie. 
and you know which they do very well they do they do say super well i'm not saying they don't they give absolutely fantastic movies but that's you know superhero movies that's what they are they give absolutely fantastic superhero movies this isn't one of them this is a this is a story grounded in realism you know it's a sort it's a story that shows us our morality is you know is made up you know the only morality that we can truly have is uh chance you know anarchy you know and the joker he shows everyone their true natures you know he tries to show them you know yeah okay i'm gonna give you a choice blow someone up and save yourself or don't and then he gives them another choice give us bat give me batman or uh, 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 sorry uh, kill the guy who wants to reveal batman's identity or i blow up a hospital you know, the Joker's trying and to... He blow, and he blows up the hospital. <laughs> he does blow up the hospital. He, the Joker's a man of his word, if anything. Uh, you know, it's it's really trying to, you know, it really digs deep into the morality of humans. Yeah, you know, what we do, what we'll do, how selfish we are, our deep, true natures. And I love those types of movies. They, some people hate them because, like, oh, they're so negative. And I'm like, no, you're just too positive. You know, it's... it. The problem is, is that some people don't want to see this movie as a movie. They want to see it as, oh, yeah, Batman beating up the Joker. Pew, 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 pew. Whoa, so cool. But no, it's it's a story that has a really deep-seated morality and a lot of, you know, a lot of different themes and a lot of duality in the movie. And it's amazing. And, you know... I quite like the I quite like Batman uh, quite a bit, and I love it. And I love him here because typically in Batman comic books and movies, you see him do like impossible things, beating up gods, uh, it, going toe to toe with Superman. But here, you just see him for who he is—a flawed human being who's trying to go up against something bigger than him, something bigger than a person, and he he fails like. Oh, miserably harvey dent is dead he's not the symbol of hope that he was he's lost the one chance of becoming the person he was before and the joker has completely destroyed him and the joker won no yeah i agree with you that's that uh, i mean what they yeah what they have done with this uh with these characters is shine a completely new light on them because, you know, if a Batman, you could compare Batman to Iron Man, you know, they're both without technically any superpowers. They're both just rich, quote unquote, geniuses down each. Uh, I mean, Iron Man more so a genius than uh, Bruce Wayne, obviously, but still. But Iron Man, I mean, you do, you know, his suits have never really been re that realistic. <clears throat> they're fun. And I love Iron Man, you know. I love Iron Man a lot. He's he he's like one of my favorite characters in cinema of all time. But comparing him to Batman is a completely different story. Batman just is you know he's a really good uh, martial arts fighter. He has a I mean a, he does have kind of kind of maybe weird gadgets that might not actually exist, but most of them are pretty seem pretty legit. He has this bulletproof suit. He's I think. I think the only thing where you could actually like sort of touch on is his um, uh, his flying ability. I mean, he can't actually fly, but you know, his gliding ability seems a bit too legit with the fall with Rachel from his penthouse on the car, you know, when Joker throws her off. That seems that that's like, yeah, it's like, I mean, really, guys, that's I mean, the gliding ability is seems a bit too extreme for the size of his bat, uh, whatever thing on his back, you know, his cape. Other than that, I mean, the vehicles, 
they seem possible with the amount of money and uh, research she puts in. Otherwise than that, it seems, yeah, it seems pretty realistic to me. That's how I see it. Now, I got a question for you. This is something that's debated heavily among comic geeks and such. Is Bruce Wayne the mask Batman puts on, or is Batman the mask Bruce Wayne puts on? Who is truly the true uh, hero? Is it Bruce or Batman? Oh, it's Batman. What do you think? It's Batman. Bruce, I don't think Bruce can uh, escape in his own body and mind uh, the, his his own character, the, what, what he actually is, just a rich playboy. Uh, to most extent, but in Batman Begins, when he goes, you know, when he does go uh, this through this uh, this journey and this training, I think he uses Batman as first of all, obviously, first and foremost, a symbol. But other than, other than that, to also put the put him as this different character, I think Bruce Wayne by himself is, I mean, sorry, but kind of useless. You know, he's just rich. But I, I I do think that he uses Batman for him for his mind to also enter a new perspective and a new mindset where he is this hope and this I mean hero to some extent to a pretty big extent and yeah I think he he uses Batman for this exact reason I don't think Bruce Wayne is capable of doing that because Bruce Wayne is just so troubled and I mean so is Batman and these flaws obviously overlap. But Batman does stand for something different. Yeah. And, you know, you know, I I believe the way I see it is I feel like Bruce Wayne, the actual Bruce Wayne, died in that alley with his parents. And this journey that he goes through throughout the rest of his life is just him trying to find his true self, Batman, in some essence. In Batman Begins, uh, Ra's al Ghul, he, he simply states that, you know, uh, you have to be more than a man. You have to be a symbol, something stronger and you know that he, he he becomes that he becomes fear he becomes batman and you know he takes this destructive anger he has for the world for taking his parents and he turns it into something altruistic he turns it into something helping others he, he's a flawed human being sure he's a bit crazy and has a lot of free time but he he does he does try to help others. He tries to take his pain and make it, you know, he tries to comfort someone else. And, you know, I feel that I feel, I have to agree with you. I, I mean, most people agree with this point that Batman is that Bruce Wayne is the mask that Batman's wears just to, you know, function properly in society. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I think we have touched on the meaning of the story quite a bit. I kind of want to talk to you now about just otherwise, you know, I love Nolan's, Nolan's directing style. Let's talk about the spect spectacle of the movie, how it looks, because it's a beautiful movie. Woo! Oh, it's, this is a I mean, gorgeous the, movie. It's such a beautiful movie. The, the big city scenes of Gotham or just the gliding scenes of Batman standing on top of a building or something. Such a beautiful movie. And... In my opinion, actually, for it, because uh, I consider it to be this all-time great drama and thriller, I think there was a bit too much action, and I understand there needs to be action because it's a Batman movie and everything. But you know, action should be with purpose always, and like a, it felt like a little bit too much at times. Otherwise, the, uh, but that's just my opinion. Other than that, I mean, I love how, the way the movie looks. Uh, Nolan obviously used IMAX cameras. I think it's in total, like, IMAX was, like, 30 minutes of the movie. 
it's I mean harder to notice uh, watching it on a computer uh, comparing to a cinema, but it's an overall such such a beautiful piece of film. Obviously, he destroyed one of those IMAX cameras in the car chase scene, uh, which costs <laughs> a few millions. You know, Nolan's like, oops. I mean, that's a pretty Nolan thing to do. I think, and I th- as far as I understand, the IMAX film goes is sixty five millimeters wide, and the only the only really really um, actually like not commonly used but used uh, film stock that is bigger was the seventy millimeter that was used by Tarantino in the Hateful Eight, and um, with his film, and that's also like it, it, there's just a few projectors in the whole world that can actually show a seventy millimeter film. There's a few. There's a few more. There's a few more that can show IMAX. Those are a bit more common. And now there's obviously more than four IMAX cameras. There were only four when they made this movie. Uh, three after they made the movie. But the movie, <laughs> the movie was the first comic book movie that grossed over one billion dollars. Uh, now that's pretty common for Marvel movies. <laughs> it's like yeah. it's like a sta- it's like a standard now for superhero movies. But no, yeah, I, I, it's, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful movie. I, I, lo- I love it so much. All of those action scenes are filmed perfectly. I love Nolan's style of directing in general. You know, Dunkirk is a beautiful movie. Inception is just insane. Um, Tenet, it's harder to go about. I'm not gonna spoil anything. Don't worry if you haven't seen it yet. It's not so much. Tenet is more focused on the how twisted the story is. Not so much. It's, I wouldn't call it that beautiful of a movie as uh, Dunkirk or The Dark Knight are. But yeah, it's a beautiful movie. Yeah. I, I love I love those big city shots. They just look so amazing. And what you know, you know, like I don't want to be that type of guy that's like every shot has a purpose. Like no some just like follow the action. But I feel like those city shots, you know, one of the most important characters people tend to miss in like Batman stories is Gotham City itself. I I totally agree with you, man. I totally agree. Yeah, I, I mean the the way he films it is like this is where it's happening. This is Gotham. This is the t- most terrible city to live in anywhere in the world. You know, he shows you know how twisted, how dark, how really weird Gotham is. You know, like. What other city in the world is gonna have a man dressed as a flying rodent and a guy who wears pale ma- white makeup uh, uh, commit crimes? Like really? <laughs> and you know what is? I have to say, what is what is your favorite scene? Because mine has to be the the truck flip and then Batman rushing towards a Joker. I just feel like I don't know why, but I love that scene so much. I feel like it's filmed perfectly, and you know I don't know why, but Ledge. I feel like Ledger's performance goes like much like better. Not I can't say better. It's amazing throughout the whole thing. I don't know more intense throughout that. No, scene. no, I get what you mean. I get what you mean. He just yeah. it goes to another level, and in the interrogation scene after is just the top, like the climax of uh, Joker being absolutely insane. But um. If I go about my no, that's a great scene. I have to agree with you. That's a great scene. The truck flip. I mean, they I they did it in real life. I'm pretty sure because I know that Nolan doesn't like using effects uh, that much. I think obviously there's a few scenes that wear effects, but I think they did that for real because you know Nolan is as I said before, he's just he he just he doesn't want to hear the word impossible. He's gonna do whatever is needed, <laughs> just like you know, just like he crashed a plane into an into a building for Tenet. But you know, okay, n- enough about Tenet. 
Um, no, no, but I have to go. My favorite scenes in plural of the movie are just those, uh, not silent scenes, but the scenes without any dialogue, the sort of filler scenes uh, of, you know, the camera flying over Gotham and Batman standing on top of a building. I think it's, I mean, it's, it is a kind of a stupid answer. Not stupid, but, you know, it's, it's not a scene that it has to do so much with story, but um, I'm a visual person and I appreciate those scenes so much. They're beautiful scenes, the dark silhouette of Batman just standing on top overlooking Gotham and, you know, the soundtrack, which is an absolute masterpiece playing in the background. Those scenes, those few scenes, those are my favorites. There's just, um, those are just so beautiful scenes. I think those are going to go down in history with, uh, with other directors that those are like from, I don't know, Space Odyssey. And uh, it's hard to think of other examples of, you know, legendary, beautiful movie scenes. But yeah, I have so much respect for Nolan and his photographic vision because it's there. And he uses his huge budget to good use. He makes the most of it. He gets the best crew and he does the best things that you can do with a camera and a person in front of it. I have to agree. And talking about those filler scenes, I love that scene where Batman is on top of the building where Rachel has passed. That scene, there's nothing said, nothing is happening, but there's so much emotion you can feel from, you know, Bale's performance. Like, Batman has lost the one person who made him, you know, normal, who made him, like, the old Bruce Wayne, the one before his parents were killed, you know? The one he wanted to give up the cape and cowl for. And I, I feel so much emotion in that scene, just because of the way it's shot. It, it, it's... Truly superb. I don't know how Nolan comes up with this. I, I really can't imagine how he does this. No, me neither. Honestly, I've already I've I've stopped wondering about it. I just consider him a god among us at this point. I think how his brain works, listening to him in interviews as well, you just understand that this man's brain works on a cinematic level only. That's literally the only way he thinks. I don't know what you have to do, how much you have to read and watch and, and just develop your brain in general to reach that level of, I don't even know what to call it, just director genius. Because uh, I have so much respect for him and how he does these things. And if you, yeah, if you listen to him talk about his movies, you understand the way that he really puts his whole soul into these movies and it shows. Yeah. This, this, this movie is just it is flawless beyond a doubt B besides like a bit of a bit of action you know i feel like that bit of action that we you talked about earlier that was just you know that was just because yeah oh it's a batman movie you have to have action you got to bring the kids in you know that type of thing besides that flawless movie there's not a single like i cannot think of a single flaw with this movie that nothing is wrong with it the only thing i hate about it is that it ended <laughs> no i mean yeah i mean it did have to end and oh why did i ever even forget about gary oldman as uh as the you know as the commissioner or chief or whatever of the police i mean he's also great like jim gordon is he stands also for something he's just i mean he's the most basic human there he's just trying <laughs> to do his job man I feel he goes through so much shit all the time he, he's just trying to make, he's, I mean, he's trying to make the Gotham a better place, but in, in the simple way, 
And you know how the way that, you know, police is supposed to arrest the Batman and they're looking for him as he's a vigilante. But, you know, Gordon still meets with him all the time because ba- Gordon understands that this thing is bigger than just the Batman and uh, and um, just arresting him. It's about Gotham. And, you know, you understand that Gordon also cares for Gotham so, so much and how he you know, the way he dies and then comes back to life. Although, when I was first watching the movie, I never really thought he died. I was like, he only got shot with one bullet and he was probably wearing a West. So I was like, okay, that's weird. So I, I wasn't that surprised when he came back. But, you know, how, how his wife is so mad at him uh, for faking his death. But then she still embraces him in a hug. Cause, and she, I mean, you know, you have to understand, yeah, the movie as you said the most important character of the movie is gotham the movie is about gotham all everything happens because of gotham and because of because of how troubled it is imagine talking to a man in a giant bat suit having to deal with a psychopathic clown mastermind and then going home and having dinner with your family so how was your day jimmy just it's, it's it really is insane like he is a great his acting is superb like james gordon as a character he's he's just he's literally a cop trying to do the right thing in the most corrupt city in the entire world that's all he has to do and it gets very complicated for him and he has to fake his own death he has to deal with you know the jokers and his interrogation he has to deal with a six foot man in a giant bat suit trying to tell him what to do yeah, obviously, and when you know, and he gets he gets his promotion just seconds before uh, Joker blows up the whole the whole prison cell that he has there. I mean, the whole thing that Gordon goes through. Yeah, it's it's Gordon is like the unsung hero at times. He's just a knight. He does. Yeah, he's not a symbol, but he's just a knight. He's as you said, he's just trying to do the right thing, and he believes that Gotham can also do it. And I mean, Gary Oldman legend absolute legend he 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 is perfect in any movie he stars in uh, gary oldman love that guy so so much i've got so much respect for him and you know you know we haven't even talked about this guy that we haven't even talked about aaron uh, aaron eckhart we're playing two-face that much we've only mentioned him like through the story he did spectacular he no he really did and harvey dent such a it's such a weird character you know he has this because he is he is. He knows his role as the D as the new DA, and he's also kind of cocky. Uh, and when you know when he meets Bruce Wayne, he's like, "Hey, they're sort of you know playing with each other," and uh, yeah, Harvey Dent. And then he's he's this white knight, but then in the end, he sort of dies. And then he actually dies, but you know he turns into Two Face, and the world cannot be exposed. The I mean the world, the Goth Gotham can be exposed to Two Face because otherwise, then they would lose all hope. So. They have to remember Harvey Dent. They have to just completely erase the Two-Face thing from their memories, the ones who knew about it, and just remember Harvey Dent as actually a hero. He he did, like, you know, throughout the movie, he, yeah, he is cocky, he's kind of funny, he's, he's, you know, he's, 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 he's Harvey Dent, you know, he's a new DA, he's got a lot of responsibility, but he still keeps his wits about him, you know? He, he isn't, he isn't, he isn't rich, he isn't a kung fu master, he's just, uh, he's just, he's just a DA using the power of law to put criminals behind bars, which is why Bat, 
That's why Batman gives up his reputation for him. He knew the good Harvey was. He knew the good Harvey was until the very end. He knew what he meant for the people of Gotham. So that's why he sacrificed his reputation for it. And, you know, obviously the acting is top-notch, you know. In the beginning, you know, there's... You know, in the beginning, there wasn't much to it. But, like, starting going towards the end, towards that Two-Face arc, he really stepped it up another level, you know. It really went from, like, he had to play, like, two different people. Uh, you know, Harvey Dent died in that explosion. He died in that explosion. And then Two-Face was born, you know? And, and the way Aaron Eckhart had to, you know, go from the man who believed in all justice and fairness, you know, went to someone who doesn't care about right and wrong, who just cares about chance, you know? That's why he flips his coin, you know. In you know, in the beginning, his coin is two a two heads two sided two two sided head coins, you know. That way, you know, he threatens someone. He's saying, "If it's tails, I kill you." He flips it. It's not. He knows he's fair, but this two face, he's not fair. Well, he could say he's fair, but he's he's fair to chance. He's not fair in the sense of morality. All he cares about is chance, and Aaron Eckhart portrayed that perfectly. My opinion. Yeah, and if we're going through the characters, I mean, we can we we can top it off with Michael K- Sir Michael Caine's Alfred. Just he's just such a lovable guy. I mean, how can you ever hate Michael Caine? I don't understand. He's I feel like he I he kind of plays the same character in every movie, which isn't a bad thing. He's just always the old wise man, and I love him. His Alfred is so funny. He's so lovable. And in this movie in particular, what I noticed when rewatching it, he has he says the best quotes. He just gives you these little piece bits of his mind. You know, some men just want to watch the world burn, burn, and then you know Batman. How he said talks about how Batman stands for something more. And Alfred gives Alfred gives the most valuable quotes in the movie. He 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 gives you yeah these little bits and pieces that just you know you're like ah oh, that's 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 well put Alfred go you yeah Alfred is the father figure for Bruce he's the man who raised Bruce Bruce Wayne he's he's sort of like the person who molded Batman into what he is you know someone who respects life who values life who values the life of others you know and the performance as well is just top notch you know offering wisdom keeping a straight face being comical when he can i mean some of the jokes he lays out in some of the most tense scenes are great it's just really good no and yeah it's alfred alfred as you said he is the father figure for batman or, or i should even say also the mother figure he's like the parent figure for him in one person cuz he takes care of bruce so much and Bruce will never obviously appreciate it to full extent, but Alfred, he always, he cares for him so much. He will do whatever is best. And when he burns Rachel's letter in the end, because he knows that that's the way it should be. You know, Alfred takes such pride in his work. And he, oh, yeah, he's always going to do what's, what's best for, for Bruce and for the Batman, because he knows how important this symbol is. But in the end, I mean, when uh, Bruce Wayne want, wanted to wanted to give up the Batman, um, uh, Alfred understood that it what was uh, what we need what he needed to be, uh, what he needed to do. I mean, and he supports him because in the end he does care about Bruce the most. He cares about Bruce more than Gotham, which is understandable. Bruce is like 
his uh, his kid. Yeah. And I think that about wraps it up for our this this episode. Oh, it's I I still can't get over like just put it into words how much I think this movie how how much this how much this movie means to me and what a great great piece of cinema it is. Nolan, he's he's uh, this is Nolan's best movie by far. He outdid himself on this movie and I mean, I would love to see him top this one. I doubt it. But I, I love to see what he did with a superhero movie or and made it into a not superhero movie as we talked about. Yeah, amazing movie. So, Ali, one out of 35, go. Oh, it's you. you the, the, it is very tempting to rate this 35. It is very tempting. But I'm not going to make the same mistake I made with Fight Club. So I am going to rate this same as I did Pulp Fiction. 30 you know what no i will go one higher 34 out of 35 okay i'll just beat you a nearly i'll just beat you i'll i'll give it a 35 and a half <laughs> what if i if i would if i if i'm giving godfather a 35 then i i can give the dark knight a 34 and a half and i have no i have i have no shame about it whatsoever i love this movie and i have my case for it being an all-time great up there in the cinema hall of fame I have to agree with you. It is it is nearly flawless, perfect cinematography, it really, it perfect really acting, perfect everything. The action scenes as well, très magnifique. No, I have to agree with you. Anyways, guys, thank you so much for tuning in uh, to this episode of Once Upon a Time in Yubo by the two film dudes. Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate you guys a lot. And tune in in, uh, in two weeks when we're going to be talking about something completely different, The Marriage Story by Noah Baumbach. <laughs> I'm excited. It's a completely different movie, but nonetheless, another great movie. So yeah, guys, see you in two weeks. Peace. Peace.